going to move right into our teaching here. There are two important components about this idea of following the Lord. They're not the only two, but they're the two I'm going to talk about, so they're the important two for right now. Um, the first one, if we're going to fulfill that call uh, to come and follow me, uh, the very first thing that needs to happen to do that is we need to be near to the Lord. Uh, back in November, if you recall, Eric shared with us a presentation on prayer. And a couple takeaways from that was, A, we need to do it. It is required. But he couched that in terms of we need to do it because what this world needs is Christ. Uh, and so we need to come and be with Christ to hear him uh, through our times of prayer. Which leads us on as, as we move through the second important component of following him. Uh, is that he calls us to do it as a body. Uh, and so that talk that Eric gave us was the second in a course on Christian personal relationships, and we're going to continue that course today uh, to understand how to follow within the context of a body and a life, uh, and whether that's our friends, uh, our family, uh, our coworkers. Uh, we're called to share a life Today we're going to look at one portion of that. Uh, in sharing life with each other, we talk to each other and we speak. Uh, so Matt's going to share with us uh, the Christian personal relation presentation on speech. So I'm going to go ahead and invite him on up um, to share that uh, as we learn about the next component here uh, in our walk and in living with the Lord. Um, let me say just a quick prayer here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for our brother, Matt. Uh, we ask that you, uh, in his time today, impart upon us uh, information that you need to reach our hearts, uh, that our lips might flow from the fullness of our heart, our desire to follow you, that that might come through in our speech, uh, in how we interact and how we relate with each other. Open our hearts uh, to hear that uh, and offer Matt your guidance in speaking that. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. I don't know if I'm going to hold this or if I'm, I don't know. All right. I am, uh, I'm nervous uh, today, not because um, I'm giving this talk, but I get, I've been a Chiefs fan since I was really little. My uh, my family has had season tickets to the Chiefs since 1969. I remember going out, and it was, you know, if you're not from here, it's hard to know, but, it, you know, the Chiefs are a family sort of deal, right? And so uh, my dad was just telling me a story last night at dinner that when the Chiefs were... Um, he remembers a couple times my dad went to Washington University in St. Louis, and uh, they would they would be driving back from a break, and he remembers a couple times playoff games where the if the Chiefs didn't or regular season games where if the Chiefs didn't sell out here they weren't on television, and so they go back to school, and so they would meet and him and his dad and a couple buddies from college would meet in Columbia, Missouri, and rent a hotel room. 
in order to watch the Chiefs game, right? So this runs deep in my family. And here's, there's hope. My grandfather is from New Jersey. I think some people here are from New Jersey. Uh, and my, my dad was born in Omaha, Nebraska. So if you, um, if you aren't from here, there is a way to become Chiefs fans. My own family is proof of that. And uh, you start by enculturating. You don't, you don't think your way into a new way of acting acting. You act your way into a new way of acting. So you just buy the gear and put it on and things happen. Just telling you, things will change if you buy the gear and put it on. They will change. And the reason you guys are shaking your heads is because you know if you do it, they will. (laughs) I'm going to start this morning with uh, kind of the meta-narrative of this whole talk on speech, and then we'll get into some practicals, and then we'll get done. Thank you guys for taking care of the nursery back there. I think the kids are really going to get a lot out of this this morning. Uh, Praise Jesus. Um, A couple things. Um, Let's start speech by this way. In the beginning was the Word, right? And when God spoke, things happened. Creation sprung into existence, right? And He created them by His Word, by the Word, Jesus. So that should give us some kind of thought about the power of our speech, the power of our words are a reflection because they come, they are imitating in some way God's speech. God also tells us at the beginning of the book of Genesis that we were were created in His image and likeness, and our mission from the very beginning was to bear that image and likeness into creation to bear the image and likeness that we contain of God, both with our speaking and in all kinds of other ways, into creation. This is our mission. Now, that mission gets really destroyed pretty quickly. But thanks to Jesus, who saved us, died for us, made us who he said he was, we are, his children, he has restored that mission to us to bear his image and his likeness into creation. I was at, uh, we had a conference down in Florida with SPO called Ascend, and uh, it was awesome. But our Benedictine was, team was there, and they had shirts. What did you, Max, tell them what your shirt said. Do you remember your Benedictine team shirts? Oh, you're not Benedictine anymore. That was last year. Sorry, Max. Who's, is anybody from the, no, the Benedictine team's not here. Salty and lit. So they had shirts they were wearing around this Christian conference said, salty and lit. That has all sorts of connotation, right? But salty and lit, like drunk. But that's not what it meant, right? That's what it means. But for them, it was a reflection on the Scriptures to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, right? We're called to be salty and lit. I love that. This is our mission. 
is we actually, God has given us a mission to bear his image and his likeness into the world <laughs> and to manifest that in all sorts of ways. I'm going to read you just a couple things because these things have really moved me. This is from, this is from a Dutch Reformed bishop. What we have is a pagan society whose public life is ruled by beliefs which are false. And because it is not a pre-Christian paganism, but a paganism born out of the rejection of Christianity, it is far tougher and more resistant to the gospel than the pre-Christian paganisms with which foreign missionaries have been in contact during the past 200 years. Here without possibility of question, is the most challenging missionary frontier of our time. In other words, guys and girls, we live in the great mission, right? And we encounter that great, the greatest mission, the greatest missionary challenge that the world is facing now. We live, God has raised us up as a community to be salt, to be light, to bear his image and his likeness, to speak and to let the power of God's word come forward. We live right into it. And here's the crazy thing. It's not really way out there, is it? It's literally right next door to where we live. It's literally right across the cubicle in our office space. The greatest missionary frontier is right there. And for some reason, I don't know why, God has raised us up in the middle of that to do something about it. Have you, have you ever thought about this? In the year 100, do you know how many Christians there were? There was about 25,000. About 25,000 in the year 100. By the Edict of Milan, does anybody know when the Edict of Milan, does anybody even know what the Edict of Milan is? The Edict of Milan, what? The Edict of Milan, 312, I thought it was 314, was when the Emperor Constantine made Christianity the religion of the, of the, of the Roman Empire. And do you know how many Christians there were in 314? 20 million. 25,000 to 20 million in 200 years. Have you ever thought, what happened? St. Patrick, another example. St. Patrick, when he went to Ireland, there were no Irish-born Christians at all. Zero. He went to... He, this is great hope for us, guys. You know, you know how old he was when he went to Ireland? He's 46 years old. I'm only 45. He was 46. There's hope, okay? In 28 years, he died when he was 75. 20, about 28 years later, over 40% of all the Irish Celtic tribes had converted to Christianity. 28 years. How about, I'll, for, the, 
for the Christian unity kind of thing here today. John Wesley. Does you, anybody know John Wesley? John, okay, yeah. He's awesome. His mom's awesome. They're really, really good. He wrote, his brother wrote, and him wrote a bunch of hymns. We still like sing his hymns. Okay, they're in our Catholic. They're, they're, they're good. They're good. They're really good. He started Method, Methodism. It was really a reform of Anglicanism. And by, from the time he started, there was no one who was Methodist, but over one-third of the country of England had become Methodist in his lifetime. There is something in our DNA when we begin to operate well that has an organic, explosive growth power. There's something in our life together in community to be a, a community of disciples on mission where our goal isn't just to kind of hunker down and cover up and wait for the second coming or till we die so we don't have to deal with it anymore. But it's to be salt and to be light. Jesus wasn't just saying that. You know, he gives us a commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1.8, you will be my witness. Wait here till you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we get there to heaven, he's going to ask how we've done with that. And I'm personally nervous because I don't even know the names of some of my neighbors. So this is no judgment. I, this is me. A couple, a couple more quotes. Is that all right? And then we'll get into speech because speech is actually really an important element here to what I'm saying. The spontaneous expansion of the church reduced to its elements, is a very simple thing. It asks for no elaborate organization, no large finances, no great numbers of paid missionaries. In its beginning, it may be the work of one man, and that man neither learned in the things of the world nor rich in the wealth of the world. Think of the twelve. What is necessary is faith. What is needed is the kind of faith which uniting a man to Christ sets him on fire. N.T. Wright, this is just a challenge to all of us. It is not enough to say one's prayers in private, maintain high personal morality, and then go to work to rebuild the Tower of Babel. The substance and structure of the different aspects of our world need to be interrogated in the light of the unique achievement of Jesus. Our speech is a reflection I'm gonna, now I'm going to hyper-focus on one specific aspect. I mean, we could go into all different directions, but I would just want to talk about how we speak and what we're manifesting when we speak. Because what we're supposed to be doing when we speak, we're supposed to be bearing 
the image and the likeness of God. And if I'm honest with myself, I'm not always doing that. The primary place where this kind of comes out when it comes out bad is usually where? In my family, <laughs> right? With the people I know best and I love most. You know, this angry dad. Oh, crap. I don't, <laughs> that's not what I want. Sorry, my wife was like, the children are present, Matt. You got to be really careful with what you say. See, this is, I said, don't worry, it's about right speech, babe. There is, um, Scripture tells us that there is power in our words. Just a, a couple scriptures on that. There's a, there are power in our words. Sirach 28, verse 17 says, A blow from the whip raises a welt, but a blow from the tongue smashes bones. It's true, isn't it? Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has power over life and death. And it really does. Creation is spoken into existence. But we can also destroy with our words. But we can also create with them. James 3, 3. We could read the whole section of James 3, 1 through 12. But if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Which implies his whole body means his whole life. If we can speak well, then we can probably keep our whole life in check. It's, there's a power in our tongues. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, that we will have to give an, he says, man will have to give an account on the day of judgment of every careless word spoken. Of every careless word spoken. So there's a power in the words that we speak. You guys, you get that, right? There's power in God's word. There's power in our word. And there are, sorry, I'm going back and forth here. I'm trying to be sort of quick. There are ways that we're going to have to, we can use that power both well and not well. A couple ways here. One way is to encourage versus to discourage. Um, another word for uh, encouragement is edification. Using our words to build up other people. Using our words to build up our children, for those of us who have children, to build up our coworkers, to build up our friends, to build up our spouse. Um, encouragement comes from the word courage, which li literally means to give heart to somebody else. We're called, this is the manifestation can you see how we begin if we speak well? What we begin to manifest is the actually the power of the kingdom in our words. The kingdom of God begins to come out of our mouths when we begin to speak how God speaks. Affirm, affirmation is another one. Can we affirm, uphold, recognize, name gifts in other people? We can be specific in our affirmation of others versus discouragement, right? Discourage, discouraging talk. It can be grumbling or murmuring or complaining. We can do it ourselves. I can see it in our house sometimes. You have to 
correct that. Nothing's ever good enough. Focus on the negative. It's easy to focus on the negative. Can drain energy from other people when we're discouraging, grumbling, murmuring, complaining in our speech. Another way our speech can actually build up is we can speak transformative words versus destructive words. Transformative words are honest, right? They're honest words. So we're speaking the truth in love. Sometimes they can be an exhortation to really inspire and strengthen our kids or another brother or sister in the Lord. They can even be correction to correct somebody in their behavior or in, their, in, in how they're doing something, to confront bad habits in somebody else. Say, hey, brother, how are we going to deal with this? Because this isn't right. Versus, those are transformative words. Honest, honesty, exhortation, correction. Destructive words like lying, not telling the truth, um, making a false statement with the intent to deceive somebody else. Words that are spoken to manipulate, to control a situation or to control another person, or I've got to have this conversation, I've got to do it this way in order to control this situation. We can use words that are, we can try to manipulate with our words. It's not freeing for anybody that's involved. Exaggeration, overstating the truth or, the, or even the negative in a way that exaggerates. And when we exaggerate, we're not really being honest with, 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 with others. Those are just a few words. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out this whole kind of talk to everybody into small group leaders so that you guys can like read it and maybe wrestle with it in your small groups because I think it's important um, to do. And lastly... I'm skipping one. When we're talking about right versus wrong uses of speech, the power of our speech, is we can use our speech to unite and to build up, or we can use our speech to divide and tear down. So here are types of positive unifying speech, praise. And here are both the praise of God and the praise of others. Speaking highly and expressing honor. One of the things that we do really well is we honor other people. It really makes a difference. You guys have seen, like, um, just even at Nick Red's honoring before his marriage, uh, however long ago that was, his family came and thought how great it was because of the way that the brothers were speaking in honor of somebody else. <laughs> Man, being on mission doesn't take that much. Like, when we just exemplify and manifest in our speech, praising and honoring other people, because in the world you don't hear a lot of that. And it really says, whoa, there's something different here. There's something different here. So praise and honor are ways to do that. Loyalty. Speaking of people when they're absent in a positive way. Standing up for someone when they're absent. Maintaining confidentiality of a brother or sister who says something to you. These are all ways of showing loyalty in our speech. And lastly, in terms of uniting, is blessing versus cursing. How do we bless people? 
even just saying, bless you, sister. May, may the Lord bless you today, fill you with his. There's that, what's that Irish? What's the Irish blessing? Sorry, Josh, I'm putting you on the, may the road, you know, the, that one. Anyway, sorry, I can't think of it. I was just thinking of it, though. I was, <laughs> Teresa, I was looking at your blue eyes, and it just was like Ireland. I am coming home. That's Garth, too. I, I, I love Garth. He speaks really well, though, too. At least my... Anyway, blessing. So wishing a, a blessing to fall on those that you meet. How can, we, how can we bless those? How can we manifest that speech in our house, with our children? What's manifesting there? With our relationships with others, what's manifesting there? In our small groups, what's manifesting there? What's manifesting there versus division? A couple of things that cause division in our speech are gossip. And, and gossip is really casual, idle, chit-chat behind people's back. Uh, speaking of other people's misfortunes or mistakes or faults or weaknesses or personal affairs in a way that's not meant to upbuild. Slander is disclosing another person's serious faults and failings without an objectively valid reason to do that. So slander is not untrue. It's just you are, um, you're, dis you're disclosing something that's true, but to people that don't need to know it with the intent of hurting that brother or sister. Sirach 28.16 says, No one who listens to slander will be in peace again. So when you slander, it also destroys the peace of the person that you speak it to. It's like verbal garbage. I know there's a lot for me to think about here in my own family, but maybe we could just get together in groups of like two or three people right around you and say, how, how is speech going and how this week can I, what are, what, are, what are the negative things that I want to stop doing and what are the positive things I want to start doing in my speech? We'll just take like five minutes just in little small groups right now and really talk about how am I manifesting the kingdom and how I'm speaking and what are things that I want to put away and what are things that I really want to start doing in my speaking from the things that you heard today. All right, two or three minutes right now break in the small groups. All right, tension back here. I'm going to give it back over to Steve, who's going to kind of conclude. I'll work with Allison to get out to everybody in an email uh, the outline of the talk. So if you want to see all the scriptures and look at it. And then uh, this is a great thing uh, for, for all of us um, to really take a time in small group to, to talk about. One thing I, I would just say, I, there's some common misunderstandings I didn't just go through here, is that uh, with anything in the moral life, we, we're not expecting perfection, right? We're going to fail in how we speak, and my hope, at least, this is my hope, is that I'm sorry, 
please forgive me, goes a long way. <laughs> right? When we fail with our children, when we fail with our spouse, when we fail in what we've done, returning and repenting of that goes a long way uh, to helping us kind of forming us well and, and to moving on. So it's not about being perfect, but when we found that we fail, it's asking forgiveness from one another. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Matt.